As it comes up? As it comes up? Yes. As it comes up? As it comes up? Heads up, this is the episode where we meet the Kulyu tribe for the first time. There are a lot of issues with how Stephanie Meyer has portrayed a real, actual indigenous group in these books, which becomes more apparent in later books, but uh, we'll be touching on it as it comes up in this chapter and later. And going from that, the tribe is raising money to move their tribal school to higher ground, as the school is presently in the tsunami zone. If a tsunami were to hit tomorrow... There is no guarantee that the school could be evacuated quick enough, and the school is the only place on Earth where the Quileut language is being taught to children by the one human alive today who knows the language. If you are looking for places to help, you can donate at mthg.org and learn more about the tribe's efforts to relocate the school. And now, uh, let's introduce ourselves. So, this is Midlight Crisis a real podcast hosted by three grown adults revisiting books from our teens, and it's totally cool, I guess. I am Sophie, and my randomly generated YA title for today is A Song of Dungeons and Druids. Oh, I thought that was going somewhere else for a second. <laughs> I know. Oh, man. You can't just have of dungeons and and then it not be dragons. Well, then you said, and I was like, it's it's going to do it. It's going to. Yeah. Can you imagine if the random generation had done that for us? Oh, man. That would have been really good. <sighs> a Song of Dungeons and Druids 100% sounds like it's in the George R. R. Martin franchise, yeah, though. 100%. Yeah, 100%. It's the next one. Yeah, but he'll never write. No, he'll die before then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and as such, I'm not interested in what it's about. So, uh, who's next? (laughs) It's me! I'm Sam, and my randomly generated title that I definitely handpicked because it was perfect is Sam. A Parade of Passion and Kelp. Oh, wow. <laughs> sorry, not sorry, but it is me that's, as a book title. Yeah, that's it is a just book about Sam. you. Just yeah. Sam in real life, an experience. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Sam in real life, an experience. Oh, yeah. Well, I am Hannah, and I also have a book about Sam as my randomly generated <laughs> title. It's <laughs> a vice of knights and bookstores. Oh, <laughs> that is your vice. <laughs> knights and bookstores like yeah. dang sam but it's but it's only oh. if the knights hate the bookstores at the beginning <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i've created a brand for myself what if it's like a really handsome swoon worthy knight who takes you on a bookstore date and buys you a bunch of beautiful hardcovers i would die I would be like, bury me right now. So long as that you don't, you say to the Starbucks person, oh, no straw, please. Oh, yeah. Like, marry me on the spot right now. (laughs) So if anyone actually wants to date me and you want a second date, take me to a bookstore and buy me books because you will be guaranteed to get a second date. You didn't have to say that first part. So just believing me. I feel like that goes for all three of us. No, yeah, you would get at work. least two dates if you bought me some books. You would get as many dates as you kept buying me books. Honestly, good point. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into some chapters. We've just got one for each for the two books today, and they're actually about completely different things, which is really exciting. Yay! Yeah. yeah. How about we do Twilight first? 
as always, as though that was a <laughs> <How surprise>. about? <laughs> Yay! So chapter six of Twilight. I don't remember what the chapter's called, but here's your summary. It's called Scary, Scary Stories. Stories. Scary Stories. Okay, so did anyone else do exactly what Bella did, where you knew your high school crush wouldn't be at school, yet you still held out hope, and that it was a lie, <laughs> and that you would just hope he would magically show up? No? Just me? <laughs> no, <all of> okay. <laughs> All of us, right? Right? Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, chapter six brings us to the beach party at La Push, where we first meet some of the characters from the Quileute tribe, and we get our first introduction of Jacob. In short, Bella and Jacob reconnect. Jacob tells Bella about the werewolf and vampire legends surrounding the tribe and the Cullens, all while Bella tries to flirt with Jacob, who <laughs> shamelessly falls for the flirting. Also... Shout out to the tide pools because I wish Heck I yeah. was out exploring some exploding, exploring. Mm-hmm. Some tide I said exploiting, and I was like, Sam, no, Sam. I am I am struggling with the words today, but I wish I was out exploring some tide pools in the Pacific Northwest right now. Don't we all wish we were doing that? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, now that we've all made ourselves wistful, let's talk about Midnight Sun. This chapter of Midnight Sun is called Melody, and Edward drives his family home after the blood lab incident, and we get a look into what vampires do in their downtime. Alice designs clothes, Esme designs buildings, Rosalie works on her cars, Ebbett and Jasper play 5D chess, and Edward (laughs) plays music. That's all. That's all they do. Yeah. For a hundred (laughs) years. It seems like that's all they do. Rosalie also sulks, to be fair. Mm Mm-hmm is cool anyway edward writes his lullaby which makes esme happy and hilariously makes rosalie jealous then edward and Emmett go on their hunting trip and edward once again catastrophizes all of the things that could happen to bella a human while Emmett's <laughs> attitude can be summarized as bro chill also <laughs> also we get the reveal that characters we meet later in the twilight series jasper's friends peter and charlotte will be visiting forks over the next week fun yeah, two different scenes, which I really appreciate. So exciting. Yeah, so the most important part of the Twilight chapter, at least, takes place on First Beach and La Push, right? Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that. There are some obvious issues here that come up with how Stephanie Meyer has chosen to portray and then also, you know, involve the Quileute tribe and by that I mean not at all, in (laughs) writing her book. And so this comes up more in the later books, especially New Moon, but we're going to talk about it a bit here because this is where we first meet them, and it's going to come up more, so we might as well just say it all right here first. (laughs) There are two major issues with, I mean, there's many, but like the two big ones are Stephanie Meyer never consulted or asked permission or like provided any remuneration or acknowledgement to the tribe at all. Even today, there's still been none. So that the franchise got billions of dollars, right? From the books, the movies, the merchandise that all had the Kleet name on it, and they've received none of it, <laughs> which is just unacceptable. Yeah. And like the second is in just the overarching portrayal. You know, if you're writing a group you don't know anything about. Hire sensitivity readers or experts, mm-hmm. everybody, please. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, the major one comes up in the contrast of like this hyper white family of vampires in which the love triangle is heavily weighted. Yeah, being compared with the Native American quote unquote savage wolf pack, which is really just perpetuating super harmful stereotypes of Native Americans. Super shitty. But like we are three white non-Indigenous Canadians. So while we've been trying to educate ourselves from Quileute and other Indigenous sources, obviously we are not experts and we don't have the perspective to speak on this. So yeah, we encourage you to maybe do some research yourself. We'll have some links later. And yeah. We'll put some stuff on social media. But though we are not able to speak with confidence on this subject very much, we can speak with confidence on terrible YA. So <laughs> let's get into more of this chapter. Where should we start? Bella's reaction to seeing the sun <laughs> as like somebody who also lives in a rainy place is like exactly the same as mine. It's almost like a religious experience for her to like open the window and see the sun. It's like, oh my God, <laughs> like the sun is shining. It's going to be a great day. I was like, yeah, I feel you, Bella. I also wish the sun came out more often. <laughs> yeah, as somebody who lived in Newfoundland for two and a half years, I also understand this heavily. Yeah. Weather-related mood swings are a thing. So real. Just so wait. real. As we go into winter, I'm just like, oh no. Uh, <laughs> oh no, the mood swings. They come. I have a sunlight. Oh, I need one of those. You'll I have to tell us how those. that goes. Yeah. I, I like it a lot. But yeah, the sun comes out and they go to the beach and like, I want to go to the beach. God, I love going to the beach. The description that Stephanie Mayer gives of this beach is, again, like almost spiritual. It's probably my favorite thing that's happened in this Twilight book so far. It made me very... I don't know, cheerfully melancholic almost. Want to break us off a piece of that? Because I don't remember it. It's kind of a long paragraph, but a nice little taste of what I like about it is islands rose out of the steel harbor waters with sheer cliff sides reaching to uneven summits and crowned with austere soaring firs. The beach had only a thin border of actual sand at the water's edge, after which it grew into millions of large smooth stones that looked uniformly gray from a distance, but up close where every shade a stone could be terracotta sea green lavender blue gray dull gold and i was like oh take me there immediately <laughs> put me in a kayak like yes. i need to be there right now hey do you think the reason we all had a spiritual experience reading this is because we were like we hate sandy beaches give me some rocks i well, love sandy beaches tide pools okay well <laughs> okay but if you had the choice <laughs> between it would the sandy on one Okay. On the West Coast, definitely a rocky beach. I live on the East Coast where, like, we don't have as much, like, interesting tidal zonation and, like, tide pool life as they do on the Pacific Ocean. Great point. Yeah. So where I live, I like sandy beaches. Were I to visit the Pacific Northwest, I want to go to this beach specifically. That's fair. I have a super important question about the tide pool parts. Okay. And it's one sentence that okay. I just really need everyone to think about once I find mm -hmm. it. Uh-oh. <laughs> There's one part where Bella is looking down into a tide pool and she talks about anemones, shells, 
crabs, starfish, and then she says, while one small black eel with white racing stripes wove through the bright green weeds. And I want to ask you guys what species you think oh my this God. is. I spent half an hour last night trying to figure out what species this Me too. This was. I, have some, I have some very strong contenders, but I just, we're going to get it right out there. The one she was thinking of is probably one she saw at an aquarium, which is a zebra moray. Right? Like oh. the black eel with white stripes. It's Indo-Pacific and found also near Hawaii. <laughs> you know, yeah, they're it's... they're really common in aquariums. They're little mores that are black and white, stripy. Like yeah. yeah. I was thinking maybe she had like somehow gotten it mixed up that there were like American eels in the Pacific Northwest. Cause they they don't have stripes, but like they're dark and have pale underbellies and like are at least present in northern North America. Yeah, it was. They just shouldn't the, be on the west coast. The black and white, like not yeah. even just like brown or mottled yeah. or anything like that. Like just black with white stripes. It's so specific and yeah. so inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. So I looked up a lot of tiny fish that are eel shaped <laughs> that live in the Pacific Northwest. Uh huh. Um, I had some real strong contenders. I had some gunnels, mm. which are basically little eelfish that have flat little faces. But not none eels. Of, I said eelfish. They're like yeah. eely fish. <laughs> you know, eels doesn't mean anything, right? <laughs> eel typically specifically means anguilidae, which are like American eels and European eels. And most other eels are not actually true eels, but they are anguiliform, which means shaped like an eel. Exactly. Because everyone says moray eel, but they're not really eels. No. Yeah. They're not true eels. So I also had some war bonnets, but they're like pretty decorated. <laughs> Speaking of inappropriate <laughs> indigenous representation. Yeah. Calling official war bonnet. <laughs> yeah. There's also some ronquils, but the one that I thought had the best chance for being what she actually meant was the blue barred prickleback. <laughs> Which we can all look up right now if you want. Yeah, Let me just Google that real quick. Honestly, I looked at the rye mouths and wolf eels and I was like, well, it's neither of these, clearly. So there's nothing else that's an eel out there. I don't know what she's talking about. Oh, this is cute. Yeah. It doesn't so, look like an eel or have racing stripes, but like it's pretty cute. It's like a long wiggly fish and it's got the white stripes. Yeah, it has like so, barcode stripes rather than racing stripes. Exactly. So it's got like, and it's got like black fins. It's got a black tail. It's got a black like dorsal fin. It's a yeah. very long one. So it's got the black, it's got the white. That's sort of what I think she's talking about. Okay. If anyone was wondering, pretty sure she was talking about a blue barred prickleback. <laughs> <laughs> I spent half an hour looking this up. I just got really cranky yesterday trying to figure out specifically if there are American eels in the Pacific Northwest. Because there are so many sources that says, like, these are fish that you might find in Washington, but Washington is not part of the American eel range. Like, they <sighs> breed in the Atlantic Ocean and then travel upstream to live most of their lives in rivers. They're, like, the opposite of salmon. But they don't go that far west. This is, like, that time someone found a piranha in a lake in Ontario, <laughs> and now they have to include it in Ontario <laughs> fish guides because they're like, well, it could be there again. It's like, no, someone just threw it in their back accident. <laughs> How do you accidentally lose a piranha in a lake? Well, people have them as pets. I guess. And, and they so just they dump, them in, a dump them in a lake. You know, yeah. like your goldfish. Don't dump your pets. Hey, don't put animals <laughs> in the wild. Don't 
release your I don't care if it's a snail or a fish or a dog. Don't just release it into the wild. Next thing that I think we should talk about is yeah. of what the fuck we've talked about this so many times. Why did kid Stephanie Meyer not write a female character who isn't oh a god. Oh my god. Asshole. Yeah, like this was the first time we properly meet Lauren, right? Yeah. Why is she just all of a sudden a giant bitch? Okay, listen. I was not a popular child in any variant <laughs> of school, except maybe university, but even that's up for question. But, like, people weren't this level of asshole to me ever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people were to me, but... Yeah. But not in high school. Like, when you're 13, everybody is a, a jerk. But by the time you're 17, you should know how to act like a human. Also, like, people were jerks to me in the way that they were jerks to, like, a lot of uncool people. And then these people are just all assholes to only Bella. Yeah. Like, they just decide out of nowhere that they hate her. It all stems, though, from jealousy. They all can't stand Bella because all the guys are dropping everything in their lives because they think she's like the most beautiful thing ever because they never went to middle school with her so they never had to like i don't know see her through her awkward phase and so like to to all of them it's like oh she's fresh me and so that automatically is just like oh we must hate her which i hate yeah this all the boys love her all the girls hate her dynamic is <sighs> tired uninteresting and troublesome yeah there's nothing good about it we can retire this trope yeah it's like the it's the facet of she's not like other girls which thereby means she's (sighs) she's one of the boys the boys like to hang out with her and the girls hate her oh she just doesn't get girls like girls are just so dramatic and hard to talk to and it's like oh i'm gonna die have these people i mean yes but also have these people ever met a man yeah seriously yeah Anyway, we've talked about this before, but it comes up every single chapter. <sighs> it's so just because it's so frustrating. It's like, yeah. I had a best friend in high school, and she always, always got the attention of every single guy that, like, we met or all of a sudden became friends with. Like, I was always second best compared to her. But she was hmm. still my best friend. I still, like, loved her to death. I honestly, yeah, it had a few insecurity things with me. And, like, it got to yeah. me a few times. But I never put that on her. Like, Yeah, it's it was, not her fault, right? No. It wasn't her fault that, like, the guys found her prettier or, like, wanted to talk to her more than me. And so, yeah, I took it out on myself more than I should have as a teenager. But I never put that on her. It was never her fault. So... Mm-hmm. I hate this dynamic that it's like, just because a boy doesn't like you gives you reason to hate a girl. Like, no, that's yeah. not what this should be. There's no reason to hate somebody because of the way other people treat them. Yeah. Don't like somebody because of their own actions, not because of other people's actions. Exactly. This is going to keep coming up throughout Twilight, I think. It's just what she like relied so heavily on that like yeah. Bella was this unique thing. And it was at the time where it's like, yeah, let's pick girls against girls. And it's like, no raise each other up yeah like my mom does saying that we're all beautiful and funny (laughs) just remember that guys our number one fan our number one fan (laughs) sam's mom (laughs) hi sam's mom thank you for your support yeah and at least at least like right after there's another moment of angela who's the best person yeah yes 
where it's just she was a restful kind of person to be around yeah. which is lovely but it's also like I almost feel like it's part of the same because yep. Angela never talks yep. like you never hear anything from her it's just like Angela exists and I sat next to her and I liked it and it's like yeah well what did she say what did you talk about like because it seems like all we can talk about is when women are nitpicking and yeah being snide and it's like okay Every single female character we've met so far and every single one I can remember going forward in the series is either the jealous snippy one or the quiet pure one who doesn't really have another personality trait. The only one who deviates from that model is Alice. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm wondering if part of this is to just drive Bella away from humans, right? Like she's Maybe. trying to make these humans as awful as possible <laughs> <laughs> but like they can be awful in different ways they don't all have yeah. to be terrible in the exact same way yeah it anyway so exciting speaking of this like jacob shows up right and i have a really positive initial impression of jacob like he comes across really sweet really engaging like i really like his character introduction and then they go into ruin it by being like he is also in love with bella yeah <laughs> yep I didn't remember it happening immediately. I thought it was something that developed in New Moon, but it was like, nope. It was immediate. Jacob shows up and has a crush on Bella. I was like, oh, yep. God, I know. I was like, dang it. My note here is because I was Team Jacob. Of course. <laughs> team the other guy. Team the other guy. <laughs> team the other guy. My note here is Jacob shows up already making jokes. No wonder Sophie was interested. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I like Jacob is very little, appealing. Yeah, I liked his little joke about, like, you don't happen to know where I could get my hands on a master cylinder for a 1986 Volkswagen Rabbit, right? <laughs> Which I was like, that's, like, a funny thing. That was a good yeah. one. I would have laughed. <laughs> I would still laugh if someone did that to me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> we all just pause. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody who wants to get our attention... Buy us books and make very specific niche jokes. <laughs> that we don't understand. But if they're yeah. niche, we appreciate them. My heart broke a little bit for Jacob because Bella was so clearly not genuine with her flirting. Yeah. And I just, I felt a lot of empathy towards Jacob because he was so excited that there was this girl flirting with him. And yeah. she was using all of like, oh, what Edward did or like, these like flirty things and i was just like oh i just my heart broke especially like a 17 is she 17 16 16 she's 16 yeah, yeah. A 16 year old flirting with a 15 year old oh i would have died i would have yeah ascended to another plane i know <laughs> <laughs> i mean especially someone as apparently beautiful and ethereal as bella exactly <laughs> like oh my gosh going for a walk on the beach with a 16 okay. year old Oh, can you imagine? We're veering into problematic territory now. We're all way too old for this. Uh, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Ugh. The description of her attempts to flirt was very oh. funny and very relatable to They're me so... as someone who also cannot flirt to save my life. The writing is awkward, even in the like, not the dialogue, but like the descriptions of like, and I fluttered my eyelids. It's like, that's... <laughs> yeah. That's such awkward writing, which is perfect for how awkward the conversation is. <laughs> yeah, it really goes well yeah. with the writing style. It's 
It's really uncomfortable to read. Yeah, I was thinking that this section was like uncomfortable to read, not just the dialogue, but all of it. The way it's described and everything was just like, oh, cringy. But Mm -hmm. the similar flirty conversation with Edward was just like flowing and not uncomfortable to read. And I was like, dang, some pretty okay writing there. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. It's like solidly serviceable for sure. Yeah, where you did like, oh, this was like easy and fun to read. And then this one is awkward and uncomfortable to read because that's what it's supposed to be. (laughs) I just thought this was funny to read. I didn't find it like uncomfortable, but it was like, I I could imagine this scene happening much more clearly than I could imagine like actual successful flirtation. That's very fair. I feel like that says something about me. (laughs) Especially for a 16 year old. Yeah. Yeah, um, I feel like because of what Sam said, I need to clarify. I'm not interested in Jacob now. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just be clear. So the reason Bella is like ineptly but successfully trying to seduce Jacob is that the other named Kuyu character in this chapter is Sam, who we will meet in more depth in New Moon. But he makes a comment about how the Cullens don't come here, and that sparks Bella's interest, right? So she's trying to get information from Jacob about why the Cullens don't come here. And I did not remember at all that the idea of the Cullens being vampires was not Bella's original thought. Jacob explicitly says, like, oh, the rumor is that these guys are vampires. That is Okay, I thought the yeah. same thing, and I thought that was just me not remembering. I had book. no memory of this. Dang. Yeah. So that, I don't know, weirdly, as far as exposition dumps go, this conversation was, like, really good. But I was a little bit disappointed that they just straight up and said, like, yeah, maybe vampires. I was expecting it to be drawn <laughs> out a little longer. <laughs> well, I wonder if maybe in the movies they, like, dance around it a bit more and that's why maybe you're remembering maybe. it that way. Yeah, th- one of the only scenes I remember from the movies is Bella using Bing to Google or to Oh, yeah. Bing. Just the word vampire. And it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Have you never heard of a vampire before? Okay. Like, what? This is how you're going to find out. You're like, mm, this guy's suspicious. I'm going to use the search engine Bing to look up vampire. <laughs> I mean, Bing probably sponsored the movie. Yeah, probably. Yeah, in this, like, conversation, we get a lot about Quillute legends and, like, origin stories, right? And Sam, didn't you look up some of those? To see if they were accurate. I did. I specifically didn't because I wanted to (laughs) live react. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's like a lot of pressure because it's actually, it's not super far off. So no, the Quilliot tribe are not werewolves, (laughs) obviously. (laughs) And actually on that first beach where this whole scene takes place... I'm grabbing information from the actual tribal website. Uh, So there's a lot more information there if you want a full history of the legend. But basically, it goes down to there was a a god who they called a wandering transformer or shapeshifter who came down and transformed some uh, wolves into people. And that's where the Quileute tribe came from. 
but they maintained this close relationship with wolves and dogs throughout history. And they've specifically bred woolly haired dogs, which they used to spin their hair into yarn for highly prized blankets. So that's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. I really like that. Sim, did you come across like an actual vampire myth or is that just totally made up? That is total BS. Um, Great. But they do have some like vampiric, not really even in their mythology. I'll go a little bit into it when we get later into the book because there's actually a direct reference to something that Bella looks up from it. Yeah, so I don't want to go into that too much now. But in actually, what I found interesting was the first line um, on the Quileute tribe's website is thousands of winters before the arrival of the white drifting house people. (laughs) And I was like, is that where Stephanie Meyer got it from? But I'm assuming that the white drifting house people are colonizers. Yeah. Yeah. But I actually tried Googling it and like doing some research and I couldn't find for fact that like that's what they're referring to there. So that is just Mm. a full assumption by me. But as far as, like, the cold ones and, like, the Quileutes protecting people from vampires, like, no, that's all BS. That tracks. <laughs> the fact that it's, like, based on an actual story is kind of neat. Yeah, there there is some truth to it. <laughs> but not a lot. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys think that, I guess for context for... Sophie, or people who don't remember the Twilight series. Uh-huh. Sam is like the leader of the wolf pack in New Moon and Beyond. Do you think he's already a werewolf at this point? Because Jacob is not. Interesting. Do they say when? Because he's 19 in this book. If I remember correctly, it's something to do with like puberty, but also triggered by the presence of vampires in the area. Oh. So like it could have been, but it also could have not been yet how long have the cullens been there presumably not more than like two years or something two or three years yeah yeah so then sam would have probably turned around the time yeah i think he was if i'm remembering the movie correctly Mm -hmm. didn't sam's transformation happen like right when they came back but i could be remembering wrong as well i have no idea yeah. He certainly has a lot of animosity that would suggest more of a personal stake than like a three generations removed. Yeah, true. Yeah. Story. Cuz I feel yeah. like if he hadn't transformed yet, then the whole tribe would have would be of the same opinion cuz they would all be on the same page. Right. But if he was like in the know as it were, then he would have a much stronger opinion whereas he is very firm and then Jacob is kind of like, "Oh yeah, I could tell the story." <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> Cuz at that point too, Sam like he didn't have a good transformation, right? So he was probably yeah. really bitter about that. So yeah, if he was like super hesitant to even talk about it, I would I go yes. I vote yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we have decided that Sam is already a werewolf <laughs> based on our <laughs> skills of deduction. If we read the next book, it would probably be like, yeah, he turned when he was 18 and it would be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> super <laughs> <Yeah>. explicit. <laughs> if we looked anything up about later books or chapters. But anyway, nah. yeah. who does that? Yeah, I really like this chapter. Yeah, it was a fun one. I liked it. I just wanted to pull up one thing that I, uh-huh. I don't know if it is 
on purpose. Bella's reading Macbeth oh, yeah. at the beginning of the chapter. And so I did look up what's in Act 3 of Macbeth. <laughs> Because, because it was like, oh, maybe this is Stephanie Meyer being like, ooh, third act of Macbeth is related to what's going to happen. Oh, probably. Uh-huh. But I mean, it's, I mean, Macbeth, I actually haven't read Macbeth, all of it, but act three is where Macbeth decides that he's going to have to murder even more people uh. to get the crown because he's got the witch's prophecy on him. And he feels like he needs to keep murdering people to keep the second part of the prophecy from happening. But something that happens in this act, someone's survival, despite an attempted murder, indicates that there is no escape from a prophecy. So I don't know. It's kind of interesting (laughs) as we, I, I, the, (laughs) I thought it was interesting as we go into like Edward now knows that there are these two options for him coming in the future and Bella's reading this book about a prophecy that can't really be escaped. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Which I guess is only because we're reading Midnight Sun. But anyway. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, it was the part where, uh, what is it, Burnham Wood? But where they, like, hold up sticks in front of their army and, like, march on the castle and nobody notices <laughs> that the forest is moving close. And I was like, ah. This is when we are introduced to the third race of supernatural people, the Ents. The Ents. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing I thought it might be is like this is a act three is like the betrayal where he's going to betray his friend Banquo, I think is oh, how yeah. you pronounce that name. And so I was like, is the parallel maybe Jacob betraying the treaty where he tells mm. Bella about the vampires? Oh, maybe. Maybe. But maybe Stephanie Meyer was also just like, they're reading a book everyone reads in high school. Yeah, it's Macbeth. It could have been any book. (laughs) She should have made them read like Romeo and Juliet if she wanted to be ham-fisted about it. That would have been too much. (laughs) I would have been like, I have nothing to look up. I know why they're reading it. (laughs) I think she reads it later, doesn't she? I think so. Probably. Probably. And it's so tragic, it's you guys. It's so tragic. Anyway, let's anyway. talk about Midnight Sun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I liked this chapter, too. Yeah, it was a good one. They were both good, which is they shocking. Yeah, no, I had a really good time preparing for this episode, as far as these things go. Yeah. This is where Edward has to deal with his um, <laughs> own horniness <laughs> oh for God. the first time. <laughs> Like, literally explicitly says he has never had feelings for a single person before, which is bonkers to me. Yeah. I mean, TV shows and movies and books existed. Like, I don't know about you, but I've got a lot of crushes on fictional characters. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> never like, when he was a human, never in, like, the many years since. Like, really? Never? Like, I think when I was 17, I'd had about 200 crushes. So yeah. oh, same. Like... <laughs> I remember having crushes in like grade two. Yeah, I guess things were different when you were in the Spanish flu era. I mean, okay, there is a pandemic. I still have crushes on people. (laughs) You know, he probably would have been married already at that point. It's true. But there was a war. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which apparently if there was a war happening, you can't. Don't you just get married faster? (laughs) Yeah. That's what I heard. (laughs) Don't you go and pick up STDs? (laughs) 
I was interested in like this very first part where he's like trying to work through his attraction in his mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because this is like a common theme in like supernatural or monster characters mm-hmm. where emotions or love makes them feel human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is just, I don't know. It's, it's problematic. It, yeah, it's like a weird theme to me to be like, oh, I just want to be more human. And these feelings have made me more human. Like, you're a rad, unkillable vampire. Like, yeah. you can, you don't have to be quote unquote human to have feelings. <laughs> yeah. I also don't like the implication here and in that trope in general that you aren't human until you experience romantic love. Yeah. That really upsets me as, like, a single person and as a person who cares about, like, aromantic people who are lovely. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I don't know. It really bothers me that romantic love and, like, sexual attraction are conflated as being an absolutely essential part of the human experience when they are not even remotely that. Yeah. It's something the vampire genre (sighs) does worse, I think, than anything else. Because I know, like, Vampire Diaries really plays on it especially in the show like there's a whole thing about vampires turning off their humanity and it's basically like they go on killing sprees and everything but what always brings them back is like the love for the other character and it's <sighs> always it's always rooted in love and it's it's just it's a very common theme in vampire literature that what brings a vampire back from like a murder rage is usually love yeah, I mean, you get that yeah. across, like, all sorts, right? It's like, True, oh, yeah. brought them back from the dead, or, True. you know, like, you get it <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I liked it when it was Pikachu bringing Ash back from being <laughs> yeah. paralyzed. <laughs> Other than that, this is another trope we can retire. Yeah. I just got emotional about that movie. Oh, and man. I, I cry wanna... when they watch that movie, because I cried. I, I cry every so time. Much. Speaking of crushes on fictional characters, uh, Mewtwo, anybody? No? Okay, let's move on. (laughs) I have a thought about the scene where they're in the car. And, like, Jasper gets in the car and immediately he is tense because it smells like a human. And Edward is tense because Jasper's control is so bad that being in a car with Bella's lingering scent is a problem. Why is Jasper in school? Yeah, that's a great <laughs> yes, point. Yes, that is a good like, question. If it is such an issue for him to be somewhere where there are human smells, he should absolutely, under no circumstances, be in a school full of children. Yep. I don't understand the logic between these two Do they just situations. never get that close to people? Because... That's impossible. It's a high yeah. school. Yeah. I don't get it. Like, a locker room... Or is Alice or even just like, like sitting next class? to someone? But yeah. like Alice can't control his like bloodlust. But she can see the future enough that like if he were to go, she could intervene in time. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it, I don't know. It bothered me that apparently it's bad enough to make mention of him like smelling Bella in a car, but not bad enough that he can't be like in the cafeteria with her and a hundred other people. Yeah. Right. Maybe they just have really good ventilation. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Jasper wears an N95 mask. (laughs) Yeah, that's It's just never mentioned because there was no pandemic at the time. Also, 
Yeah, like as someone who can't smell fish anymore because (laughs) I work in marine biology, that like what Edward's doing where he's like, I'm just going to sit in this smell forever. I get kind of, but also the way he's doing it doesn't work because it has to be all the time every day. Like, yeah, because I leave for a long weekend and I come back and I'm like, oh, God, Yeah. (laughs) yeah, the fish smell. But if I'm there five days a week all the time. I don't smell it anymore. I don't smell fish. I don't smell it anymore at all. So Edward's doing this badly is what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah. So what you're saying is he should be standing in her room every night. Oh, wait, no. Wait. (laughs) Wait. I take it back. (laughs) Oh, speaking of which, isn't it great that Emmett calls him out in this chapter? Yes. Yes. I love Emmett. Yeah. Emmett's like, hey, don't go stalking... Bella, you can't do that. Yeah. I really appreciate Emmett's brand of very, like, very pragmatic morality. He's like, well, you either have to, like, turn her into a vampire or deal with it. Pick one and get over it. Yeah. Stop stewing in your choices. You're going to make a decision and you have to live with that. Yeah, let's all agree. This series would be one book if it was Bella and Emmett. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, it's explicitly mentioned that Emmett has encountered, like, this kind of situation before, where, like, he found someone who smelled very good, and he just full-on vamped him, (laughs) and, like, doesn't feel guilty about it. He's like, yeah, it happened. I lost control. I'm moving on with my life rather than torturing everybody around me. Yep. I don't know. (laughs) Weird, though. Do you think, like, do they ever address why the extra good smell happens? I don't think so. With anyone? Do they? I think like the Volturi had a hypothesis. No? Because I I know like in True Blood, they do the thing where it's like, oh, it's like fairy blood. Yeah. It just smells really good. And so I I don't remember if they ever did anything with this. Like, why does Bella smell so good to everyone? Yeah, I don't remember. Because she's immune to all of their powers? I don't know. I feel like the Volturi had something, but okay. I don't remember. We'll find that out in six years when we get to that yeah. part <laughs> of the books. I feel like I have a vague memory of Carlisle saying something about it, too. Maybe. Uh... But I don't know. Next thing I want to talk about is how fucking great is it that Alice helps Jasper cheat? Oh my yeah. gosh, so great. <laughs> dimensional <laughs> chess boards. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, so they're playing whatever, however they describe it. They're in an elaborate game of chess utilizing eight joined boards spread out along the glass wall. (laughs) It's just like, what? And Alice just rolls up and is like mouthing what's going to happen to Jasper behind (laughs) Emmett's back. (laughs) Which I just, I loved that. (laughs) Yeah, that was a good character. That's why Alice is the best character, right? Because she has character traits <laughs> this this chapter just does like a good job of i don't want to say humanizing because we just talked about this but like building the characters yeah. of the vampires which is just really fun like yeah. esme getting all emotional about edward playing piano all of them kind really of cute. joining in while he's playing it i don't know it was good yeah it was nice it. i also appreciated the non-gender norm hobbies that rosalie likes to fix cars and also that Emmett the jock played chess and it wasn't like I don't know it wasn't seen as like oh like a big deal like no it's just like 
a bro dude who also likes to play chess. And I like yep. that. I don't know if enjoyed is the right word, but was entertained by the like discussion of Rosalie's psyche a little bit. I was entertained <laughs> and also annoyed. But she part of the reason she hates Bella is that she wants Edward to be in love with her even though she doesn't like him yeah <laughs> it's like oh man that's completely ridiculous but also like I kind of get it <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wrote Rosalie being jealous is kind of hilarious but holy shit, the toxicity yeah oh man yeah. and the fact that she is completely embarrassed of it and has to go hide under a car <laughs> <laughs> just relatable <laughs> it's like no gotta get out of here i gotta go build something to hide my emotions <laughs> yep yeah pretty nice to be like ah it was a girl character <laughs> that was like i'm not gonna deal with these feelings i'm gonna go build a car <laughs> yeah and i appreciate at least that edward doesn't like rat her out when she's so obviously embarrassed and ashamed like he won't tell anybody obviously jasper can tell what she's feeling and probably the others can guess but he does not tell on her which I yeah yeah i liked that what else do we have to say about these chapters yeah they go hunting Emmett and Edward go hunting. So Emmett only eats one bear in this chapter i was really upset well we see that's true I was happy because it was one bear, but I wanted to get an accurate representation of their feeding habits so I could model it and predict when they would decimate their ecosystem. <laughs> and I can't do that with the data I was given from this chapter. That's so Yeah, rude. we'll have to collate the circumstantial data that we get throughout this series and then try to enumerate that somehow. Yes. But yeah, so Emmett eats a bear and Edward eats a mountain lion. And as they do these kind of like barbaric violent aggressive activities edward mopes about his love life and Emmett <laughs> asks him how he's going to have sex with a human <laughs> yeah like, i'm i'm just gonna like cut first before we get into the jokes part don't uh-huh. ju- don't if you hunt animals don't toy with them just kill them fast yeah like yes. don't yeah. listen just don't be Emmett. Emmett's just like fighting it and being like <laughs> and then murders it and it's like don't do that anyway yeah let's talk about the other stuff wait can i give the quote that yes sets the scene for this which is from midnight sun so edward's first person emmett roared back at the enraged animal i sighed and sat down on a convenient boulder this might take a while (laughs) (laughs) i love that kind of abrupt tone shift in storytelling i think that's really funny <laughs> it was good. I do just want to say that while there is a bear season in Washington state, there is no mountain lion season because don't hunt mountain lions. <laughs> don't hunt protected species. They're endangered everywhere. Okay. <sighs> we talked about this a lot last time. Though. Yeah. I do want to there's a good what do the other people hear of this conversation moment. Yeah. <laughs> So I really want to do that. All right. Break that off for us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ed talks. (laughs) Welcome to my Ed talks, where it's just (laughs) what other people hear Edward say in response to what they're thinking. There's a really short one where he's, quote, talking to Esme. 
uh-huh. where yeah, Alice is singing and he says, Yes, perfect. And then they finish the song. And oh. Esme thinks a nice thing about him and he's like, Thank you. And there's just <laughs> silence. And then he laughs. And then there's silence. <laughs> and then he sighs. And then there's silence. And he says, Stop it, mom, you're making me blush. God. And that was it. <laughs> I would I hate that. <laughs> And then there was another one where when they're talking about Peter and Charlotte coming, Alice says, Edward is worried about, worried about Bella while they're there. And Alice is like, they never hunt here. You know that. So he asks when, and then there's silence. And he says, no, you ready, Emmett? And they have a, they have a brief conversation about going, but Emmett wants to say bye to Rose. And he's like, sure. And then silence, and then I suppose I have. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> just, that I is don't... so annoying. It's so annoying. Imagine just having to live like that. Oh my god, <sighs> drive me crazy. Living with Edward would be like my worst nightmare. Yeah, for a variety of reasons, but this is one of them. Yeah, I would lose my mind. Yeah. Oh man, did anybody else get like? full body like horrified goosebumps when Edward is talking about how he used to have to like see Jessica fantasizing about him and like the thought of the object of my ridiculous romantic fantasies knowing about them just like made my entire body shrivel into a husk (laughs) yep what guys he said this once before and I was like oh god and then this time it was like oh no he's describing it oh Oh man, I had to put the book down for a minute. I was like, the visceral horror. It's like worst case scenario. It's like I'm never going to think about another person ever in my life, just in case they might yep. be listening. <laughs> I am really sad about this chapter that Edward goes back into her room. Oh yeah, it was going so well. Yeah, I actually so the whole lullaby part is like I was really enjoying it, and then at one literally one part, he's like, "Oh, what does this song represent?" or whatever, and he's like, "Ah, oh, the story was a sleeping girl in a narrow bed." Yes. Like, don't, oh. don't. <laughs> yeah, I had the same thing. I was like, ah. My note is, oh, fuck, Edward went and made the lullaby creepy. Yeah, I wrote, fuck this creepy song. <laughs> yeah, it was so nice before that. And- yeah. <sighs> uh, and then after the camping, he ends up back in Bella's room. And I don't want to talk about any of it. <laughs> no. It's bad. It's turned from a lullaby to a horror theme. Yes. Yeah, just straight up. I had a, a moment of confused exasperation when he's like oh she looks tired had she gone out it's like yes she went to the beach you were invited the party that you're literally thinking about two minutes later (laughs) like you know this yes she went out what why are you confused like what is happening here (sighs) i did find it mildly funny the thing he thinks where he's like trying to think about how he could bring it up in casual conversation all the things he noticed about her while she was sleeping <laughs> and he's like so Bella I was following your scent through the woods after I left your room just some minor breach- breaking and entering no need for worry I was exterminating spiders <laughs> it's, like, oh my God. it's very like despite that I hate everything about all of the rest of it that is like exactly the train of thought that 
a person follows when they're like, how do I bring this up in conversation? Yep. <laughs> and it just gets more and more crazy. Edward is the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is a terrible book. I'm glad we're reading it. <laughs> I'm having a great time specifically because we're reading it in this fashion. Yeah. I feel like yeah, if I same. It by myself, I'd be kind of peeved all the time. I'd have stopped already. Yeah, I honestly don't think I would have finished reading it if we weren't doing this. I yeah. would have. Because I need to know what Edward thinks. But also, I, I wish I didn't know. Or care. <laughs> or care. The problem is that I care. <laughs> that I know and care now. <laughs> I think that about wraps it up for our thoughts on these chapters. Does anyone have any thoughts on what, what might be coming up next? Because oh, I forgot we do this. <laughs> the next chapter in Twilight is called Nightmare. <laughs> which I hope to God is because she thinks Edward's in her bedroom. Oh. And the Midnight Sun chapter is Ghost. Oh. Uh, I have no idea. Does she have a dream I, about Edward she, being a vampire? Doesn't she dream about Edward <gasps> being in her room? Well, she, she did that oh. already, didn't she? Oh, yeah. This is where she does the doom scroll through, like, all the vampire mythologies. Is it? Ooh. I think so. Twilight moves very fast. So it the does. next chapter after this one is probably going to be she confronts him. <laughs> oh my God. Is this going to be the line? Because I know after she does like the whole vampire search thing, it's the like infamous line where I was like, and I was irrevocably in love with him. Like, are oh, we already God. there? Oh man. I thought that would happen after the Port Angeles date. Maybe. That makes more sense okay yeah. yeah i might be jumping the gun but then like what goes in here in in this chapter <sighs> but like yeah. okay but jacob just told her the whole cold ones thing so i feel like i feel like this is where she looks it up yeah, yeah. this is where she dings but we don't get that line that i said not yet no. maybe yeah no but then that means we're getting pretty close to the moment where they go to the forest and he does the sparkly thing right Ooh. yeah <laughs> i'm probably, excited for that one probably not this chapter but the next one or <laughs> the you should hold on spider monkey <laughs> jesus <Yeah>. christ <laughs> i'm more intrigued about this ghost chapter yeah do you think it's him keeping an eye on her for the next two days because because didn't they say in this chapter that he's not going back to school until Wednesday because it's sunny out? Yeah. yeah. So maybe this is like him stalking, stalking her. her. <laughs> probably. Yeah, probably. Protecting her from Peter and Charlotte. Who are not vegetarian vampires. Oh. I hope we get to see them. I hope it's not just like Edward avoiding them. Yeah, vegetarian, vegetarian is also the wrong word. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't appreciate that. I don't either. But also, could the ghost be like attributed to, was it Peter and Charlotte like showing up and yeah. maybe bringing up like some horrid thing Edward did in his past mm. or something? Oh, yeah, maybe. That would be way more interesting than what yeah. <laughs> was going <laughs> to happen. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Anything to have less stalking, honestly. Yeah. Please. I feel like they should be there should be a vampire equivalent of pescatarian. Yeah. Like what? Is there a name for the clade that is everything that isn't primates? <laughs> well, because I guess they'd eat primates. Yeah. Though, if they weren't humans. Aren't what they are just you? like essentially carnivores? Yeah. Well, pescatarians do eat fish, right? They only eat fish and yeah. 
So would they be humanitarians? <laughs> no, no, that's a regular vampire. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're right. <laughs> like by the definition, they're just they're carnivores. Yeah. Right? Like Carnivore. they don't eat the meat, but they Well, yeah, so they're not blood. Listen, we'll talk about this in the episode where we talk about hematophagy. Is that what it is? Yeah, hematophagy. <laughs> or yeah. hematophages. Yeah, we're gonna talk okay. about that in one episode. Okay. And not this one. And okay. we'll figure it out then. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. Good call. We'll we'll make up the word. Yeah, if we wanted to record for another hour, we could talk about it now. <laughs> yeah, seriously. We yeah. Could, yes. <laughs> Anthro-exclusive hematophagy. <laughs> yep. So, anyway. <laughs> Great. <laughs> we have some other stuff you can find us on, right, Hannah? Yeah, we sure do. If, for some reason, you liked this <laughs> chapter of Midlight Crisis, consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. We're also live uploading episodes to YouTube now, in case that's your preferred method of consumption. So we're all over the place now. You can talk to us on those platforms or on our social medias. We are at Midlight Pod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And all chapters of the show thus far are available on our website, midlightpod.podbean.com. If you'd like to learn more about the Quileute tribe in their own words, not Steffi Mayers, check out quileutenation.org. Or as Sam mentioned, you can donate to their school relocation efforts at mthg.org. And to close things out, as we are all saying with 2020, what will come next? A bear? Get hit by a car? Or lightning? Fall down the stairs? Or get sick? Get a disease? Maybe it'll be fires, earthquakes, and tornadoes, because, you know, climate change is real, (laughs) y'all. It's the disease. Thanks, Edward. (laughs) 